Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Man on the Post Extra. I'm Colin, and with me today we have Chris, Emma, and Mark. How are you guys? Are you all well? Great. Yeah, good, thanks. Okay, on this episode we look at the Monday Premier League game between West Brom and Everton. There's also lots of Capital One Cup goodness as we discuss a lacklustre performance from a lacklustre team. And we also have a look at how West Ham got on as well. We take a look at the controversy that is Anelka, Zupla, a minimum five-match ban. And we ask the question, how strong is anti-Semitism in English football? And we talk matter. Is he the one to unite United? And the team give their midweek Premier League predictions. And we're also going to be touching a little bit on uh, Stan Collymore and uh, Twittergate and all the things that he's had to say on that topic. So, without further ado, let's start with uh, Monday night's Premier League game. West Bromwich Albion won, Everton won. And Mark, as you are our resident Everton fan, where better place to start than you? Um, well, it was uh, it was a pretty shocking game for uh, for those who decided to watch it. Um, I've got to say, it's probably the worst performance I've seen Everton put in this season. West Brom kind of got what you expected, but uh, yeah, I think it's pretty obvious that Everton are starting to get a bit tired, uh, need a few extra players in. Um, it just it just didn't look like the Everton that we've been watching for most of the season so far. That played so well at Arsenal, that beat Man U, um, that have you know been winning games and you know entertaining people left, right, and centre. It was real real letdown, especially as we had the chance to go into the into the top four ahead of the Merseyside derby next week. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what you guys thought. What whether you whether you saw the game or what you thought about it. I saw the goals. Um, what did you think of the new West Brom manager? Because quite a lot's been written about him as quite a sort of uh, um, unusual character within football. He's, he's a novelist, isn't he? And he's, um, he's quite unusual in his approach to the game. How did you think he got on in his first match? Um, well, he had West Brom playing pretty high up the pitch, trying to trying to squeeze Everton back and not give him the space that that I've seen in many games um, this season, a lot of teams, certainly the teams who are below Everton in the league, have been giving them a lot of respect and dropping really deep and, and letting them get up to the halfway line and start playing the ball, spraying the passes around and, and, and making the movement in and around the box. What West Brom were doing is they were pushing Everton 20 yards further back. So uh, the likes of Distan and Jagielka and Gareth Barry, they were always playing only just outside our own penalty area. So from that respect, 
they were they were shutting Everton down, and obviously that was a you know that was one of the first things that that Pepe Mel would have probably told the players to do. He was playing four four two, which I don't know whether that's a, a common West Brom thing. Um, they were they seemingly were targeting specific areas of Everton's back four. Um, they looked like they had a plan to make the game as scrappy as possible and try to pick one or two specific weaknesses to go for. In the second half, it, it worked because Everton were, were really off the pace in the second half. But um, I think he did all right. I think he, I think he got quite a lot out of that team. They're not a great team. Um, but, yeah, I think he did well. Do you think Martinez might be falling into the um, perennial problem that Everton have, which is it gets to January, the players start getting quite tired. There's a few injuries coming, the squad starts to thin, and there's no one to strengthen. Is he going to fall into that old trap, do you think? Well, he's he's definitely going to fall into that trap because you know th- there is no money. Um, you know they've got uh, Delafeo's injured, Barkley's injured, Distan and Jagielka have only just come back from injury. Coleman is touch and go for the next couple of weeks. Gibson's out for the season. Um, I've probably missed somebody else out. We sold Jelovic, so we've got one striker, Lukaku, who hasn't looked interested for the last six or seven games. Um, and he was pretty much non-existent other than for his flick-on for Everton's goal the other night. Um, and yeah, I mean, players like Gareth Barry and Osman, eventually their legs are going to give out during the season. And it's it, it, especially in Osman's case, it's got to that point already that, you know, he's, play, he's playing way too many minutes than, than his legs can carry him. Um, so... I, I, I think we we may have spoke about it last week, but Everton definitely need uh, two or three players to come in. We bought McGeady, um, but we need a midfielder. We need a, need a striker desperately. Um, and we're just starting to go off the boil just as this crucial Merseyside derby comes up next week. I know we're going to talk about that later. Well, this means we might keep Ross Barkley then if you're um, struggling for players at the moment, which I suppose is a good thing, isn't it? But you might play maybe a bit too much football. There's no chance Barkley's going anywhere, that's for sure. I saw it on the back page of a paper today that the whole matter deal to United is a way of facilitating Barkley to Chelsea. Uh, right, is it? Um, that's just the usual paper speculation at this time of year, isn't it? They're always trying to spend somebody's money or, you know, agitate one player away from one club. You know, it, typical kind of agent tactic, isn't it, really? Yeah, but you're confident it's going to stay till at least the summer. I don't think he'll be gone going anywhere for two or three years at least. Really? Yeah, yeah. You don't think if someone big comes in for him that he'll be tempted to put in for it? What's going to happen is if he goes to the likes of, say, uh, Chelsea, for example, you mentioned, um, he's not going to play every game. He'd be lucky at the stage of the career he's at, regardless of how good he is, to play one in two games. It might even be one in three games. Now, if he's got decent advisors behind him and he's got a brain in his head, why is he going to go down that route and stunt his own growth? He had to put up with David Moyes um, holding him back for two years. Um, I can't see him wanting to go to Chelsea when he's an Everton fan or, or any other club. When he's an Everton fan, um, he knows he's going to play every week, get better. He's got a manager who's going to look after him and play him well every week. He's going to be playing for England if that matters to him. So... Unless somebody stumped up a ridiculous Gareth Bale-sized transfer fee for him, 
even Everton aren't skint enough to sell him for two or three years. The road to Chelsea glory is paved with Sean Wright Phillips and Danny Sturridge dirt along the road, isn't it? Exactly. And and the other thing as as well, Mark, is that you know we're talking about a big club snapping him up. Well, as it currently stands, Everton are only one point off the top four, mm-hmm. Champions League place. He ain't going to join Liverpool. Yep. I doubt he's going to want to join Spurs. So that mm-hmm. leaves him with Chelsea, City, or Arsenal. And I think all of those would be a bad move for him. Yep. So I think he's he's quite happy where he is. And I think he's done unbelievably well with Martinez and Everton so far. Bear in mind, Moyes was sending Barkley out on loan last season. I remember him having a spell with Leeds United. And now he's a permanent fixture. And I'm almost certain that he's, he's booked on the flight to, to Brazil for the World Cup as a result of what's happening at Everton. He couldn't get in that Leeds team, could he? Well, that's that's a debacle in itself, isn't it? But that's that's more reflection on Neil Warnock's abilities. Who thought that? Uh, I can't believe I'm saying this. Michael Brown was a better player than Ross Barkley, but that that is the that is the man who is Neil Warnock, and that's why he's no longer managing. <laughs> well, the thing the thing about Barkley is uh, he, he he got a triple leg break two or three years ago. I remember watching him play for England schoolboys five or six years ago, whenever it was. And he was, you could see, I didn't even know he played for Everton or he signed for Everton at the time. And I watched him and I thought, this that kid stands out head and shoulders about it, above every other player on the field. And then when on the on the TV they said that he was signed for Everton, I was keeping an eye on him and, and seeing if he was going to come through the youth team and so on. And then he got the triple leg break. And then when he came back, um, he had lots of opportunities, David Moyes, to, to give Barkley 20 minutes here and there, 30 minutes here and there, but always either didn't put him on the bench or left him on the bench and didn't bring him on when games were won or or they were already lost and, and you know, there was no need to protect the lad. You know, he could have gone on for 20 minutes in games. So that's why they ended up sending him out to Leeds and Sheffield Wednesday last year on loan. Um, and then this year he came in and he's been he started off really well and then in the last month, he's been absolutely brilliant. Um, and as you say, the, the the right place for him to be is Everton right now, and the right manager for him is Martinez. The the grass isn't always greener. Yeah. Well, thanks for those comments, Mark. I think uh, we should also just quickly say, you know, Pepe Mel, first match in charge, new manager bounce. It's going to have to be a bounce as well, because they're not... Uh, a million miles away from the relegation spots right now. Um, but a point apiece, I think both teams will be not too unhappy with that. Um, and at that point, it's probably uh, worthwhile as moving on to our second topic, which is going to be all about Nicholas Anelka um, at West Brom. And uh, the canal gesture. Now, for me personally... I'd never even heard of this. I'm pretty sure 99% of people in the UK hadn't heard of this before. All of a sudden, it's out in the open. What is the issue here? What what's what's happened? The canal gesture is basically a up yours in French, and um, it was created by a comedian in a sketch in 2005. So it's relatively new in France as well, and it it basically is saying how far someone's hand 
is up their ass, depending on where you put your opposing hand on your arm. Um, it's it's anti-Semitic, and it's um, the the comedian who created it is um, is anti-Zionism, which is, is basically anti-Jewish. Which and and like like you said, it's in the UK, in England. I'd never heard of it. I've just had to look up what it actually means, and I don't think I don't think many people have. But just because it's the English Premier League, it has it has to be treated with the same as how how um, Wiltshire was treated when he when he gave the fans the finger, because the Premier League is a global product, and just because you know the people at West Brom watching the game aren't offended by it, it doesn't mean that you know, potentially millions of people watching the Premier League aren't offended by it. That's it my... appears to be... Sorry. No, carry on. No, sorry. It appears to be a very French thing. Uh, Philippe O'Claire, the um, journalist on Twitter, when uh, Anelka actually did the incident, within a matter of minutes, was um, was incredibly angry upon his Twitter feed, explaining what it was and why it was so offensive. Anelka himself has said that he's been judged or that the FA is seeking advice from an English linguist expert uh, within the matter. And Elka is upset at the fact that the guy that's offering advice is English and not French. He thinks a French person have a greater understanding of the subject. Um, Eau Claire, again, on both on Twitter and also sort of um, on other podcasters, said that in no uncertain terms, Anelka should have known what he was doing. There's, there's no sort of lost in translation, uh, and he's been utterly condemning of it. It seems to be a very French thing. Um, but like you say, the, the, um, the Premier League is a worldwide export nowadays. What Anelka does on a football pitch in Birmingham gets broadcast to millions of people around the world. He should know better, shouldn't he? He definitely, he definitely should know better. And it's, I just can't understand why, you know, it's, he know he's not a stupid footballer. He knows the controversy it would cause, and it seems to me that I, j- I just can't understand the reasoning behind it. And I don't know if that's because I don't I don't think England is you know a particularly what well, the Premier League I don't think has that many anti-Semitic problems. It has a lot of problems, but I don't think that is one of our one of the largest ones. And I it just feels like it's bringing another problem into the mix. It's bringing another thing that people can moan about and judge. And I I can't understand from why he would why he would do it. Well, he says it was a an anti-establishment gesture, or the, the way he meant it was anti-establishment. He was doing it in support of his friend, the, the comedian. Um, he doesn't think there's anything anti-Semitic. He's asked the FA to drop the charges. He's um, as for a personal hearing at the FA, he doesn't seem to be very contrite and he doesn't seem to think he's done anything wrong. And West Brom have stood by him so far, by the sounds of it, haven't they? It seems that he doesn't really think he's got a case to answer. Well, I mean, I'm looking, like I'm, I'm still on Wikipedia at the moment, I'm just looking at it, and it has been trademarked by, I'm not even going to try and pronounce the comedian's name, it has been trademarked by the comedian, and um, they have, um, um, they market it, they have t-shirts with like, canal um, sort of memorabilia on, so I kind of wonder that maybe, maybe it isn't taken as 
seriously as we're being led to believe in France. But then, well, it depends like, who's buying those T-shirts. Yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, to sort of to be able to to produce them, it's, yeah. it's all very, it's all, oh, it's a really <laughs> messy situation, isn't it? That the Premier League and the FA don't want to find themselves in, which I assume is mm. why they're trying to come down from so heavy. So, so Emma, the 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 definition that you found of the gesture itself is not related to anti-Semitism. It's related to how far you can stick your hand up someone's bum. But because it's supporting this anti-Semitic comedian, people are linking the two things together. The gesture on its own is or isn't anti-Semitic. From, Just from going, going from the, gen- the definition that you've, you've looked at. The definition I read when I first read it, no. I didn't understand why why it was being taken as anti-Semitic. It wasn't until I read further into it that it's that I realised why. Okay, so there's kind of a there is an out for for Anelka in his defence, if you like, because okay, you don't have to jump a million miles to make that connection between the gesture and the comedian and his his act or his beliefs or whatever. But the the doing the gesture itself. If it's only uh, okay, here's a bit of support from me from your friend who's going through a hard time in France, but only because he's going through a hard time, regardless of what it's about. Anelka could say, "Well, the two things aren't linked. He's my friend, regardless of what he believes." Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's here it says it was used in 2005, just in a sketch, and it wasn't until 2009 it was used on a political party for an anti-Zionist group. Right. Okay. So that's where the connection comes in. I I think the connotation comes from France. It, it's got an anti-Semitic connotation in France, and I think the FA are seeing the EPL as a global brand, and that's why it's become an issue. There's there's not been that much outrage about similar gestures made by Sami Nasri and uh, Sarko of Liverpool, who've all made the same gesture but not necessarily on a football pitch. But this is one big issue I have, is that the FA, I always get very wary about this, they're becoming the police. They're, they're making judgments on people, and we've seen it before, we've seen it with Suarez, we've seen it with John Terry. Okay, and I think there is absolutely no chance he's not going to get a five-match ban minimum, because that's just the way the FA do things. I think the the FA, I think what will happen to Anelka is show whether the FA have learnt from what happened with Suarez and Ever, because a lot of what Suarez said in his defence was the fact that this is something I do in my country, this is something that's accepted in my country. And again, what Anelka is saying, this is to do with my country, this is what happens in my country. I think the FA are again making a judgment call on a cultural difference. Um, and they've got to be very, very careful in the way they act, because... They, rightly or wrong, what they're doing is in this country so therefore they have to abide by the laws of the land within this country but they are sort of acting in judgment over something that goes on um, somewhere else the other thing I was going to add as well is Nicholas Anelka is a nutcase okay <laughs> it's controversy <laughs> follows him throughout his career I, I don't believe he's anti-semitic in exactly the same way I don't believe John Terry is a racist but I just think they've both been stupid. 
And I think an elk has been stupid on this occasion. He's done it many times before. He's fallen out with every single manager he's had. But bear in mind, you know, he's 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 worked under a Jewish manager before in Avram Grant. Um, okay, he had a falling out with him as he did with every other manager, but it wasn't on anti-Semitic issues. Um, so I, I think you have to take that into account as well that an, an elk is a bit of a hothead, and you sort of take that baggage with him when you sign him. Definitely, it, it's, you you look at the talent and what he's going to give you, and you look at the baggage that does come with him. But there's a bigger issue, and, and this is something we mentioned in the introduction: is 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 there an anti-Semitism or anti-Semitic issue in English football? And Chris, prior to uh, this podcast, you know, you, you prepped us with uh, a few of the agenda items we were going to discuss, and you mentioned Spurs and use of the Y word, the Yid word. Okay, Spurs. Spurs have warned fans this week not to sing songs with that word in. I think they warn their own fans. How, how big an issue is it? I, th- I think I've heard David Baddiel say that Spurs fans are trying to reclaim that phrase for themselves. And then it's used in different ways by opposing fans, especially Arsenal, you know, when they came to town recently. Um, yeah, just how, how big an issue is this for, for English football? I think by Spurs coming out and telling their own fans not to use it, they're just giving more firepower to opposing people who who aren't you know who are using it offensively they're, they're just adding fuel to the fire whereas like you said if if there was no control on the Spurs fans and they could use it you know like you said like they can reclaim it then I, and I think it, it wouldn't be such a, a it wouldn't be I don't know how to word it, it wouldn't be such a huge issue but I think by trying to stop everyone doing it, you know, even the Spurs fans who, who use it amongst themselves, I think that creates the issue, a bigger issue. I mean, is this about anti-Semitism? Is this about racism? Or is this about abuse in football? You have um, you have the song sang at Arsenal Wenger, uh, Sit Down, You Paedophile, sang to him. You have... Um, Jack Wilshere said he, the reason he swore at the City fans is they were singing about his children. I mean, is, is this part of a wider thing to think, or is this just um, uh, sort of focused on racism or, or anti-Semitism? Is there a, a case for football fans sort of having to behave like grown-ups at a, a football match and not sing songs of any kind like that? Well, the, the songs and comments and shouts at players however abusive they are from, like you say, from shouting at Arsene Wenger or to David Beckham back in the day, where, you know, shouting about what him and Mrs. Beckham used to get up to. That kind of abuse is not new by any means. You know, you don't have to go too far in, back into the past and there would have been the same or a hell of a lot worse shouted at football games. doesn't make it right, but it's mm. not a new thing. I think it's just that these days it's... <laughs> How, how do you say this? Everybody is now free and uh, more willing to take offence or to pull other people up on this kind of thing. Be less tolerant of intolerance, if you know what I mean. Mm. And at a football game, that's it's that that's where it's at its at, at its height from the terraces. And you know, stewarding and policing, they say that it's supposed to be cracking down on this kind of thing, but Generally speaking, it isn't. Not in my view, anyway. No. No, I mean, with all this going on, is there a surprise there is no 
openly gay footballer playing within this country as well at the, at the senior level. If a gay player did come out, I mean, he would have support from 90% of people, I'm sure. But on a Saturday afternoon between three and quarter to five, he would get dogs abused, wouldn't he? Of course, yeah. Well, this issue, I'm sure we could dedicate a whole podcast to. But in the interest of time, um, let's move on to one matter. Previously at Chelsea, it looks like he's on his way, you know, Looks like he's uh, been told to get to the chopper and get to uh, Manchester United. Possibly 37 million, possibly 40 million. What do we think of this move, guys? I think it means Rooney's going the other way in the summer. Wow, big words. <laughs> that's, that's a big prediction. I think there's been a deal made in a smokefield room somewhere. Yeah, I think that's. That is a big statement, but I think that's very true. I think I could, de- could definitely see that happening now. Well, there's logic to it. His contract runs out at the end of next season. He's not going to be worth as much to United as um, uh, as he would do at the end of next season. He could do a Bosman at the end of 2015. One matter is a very, very good player, despite the fact that Chelsea aren't playing. They're selling into one of their big rivals. It's not this season, next season. I think there's got to be some kind of um, caveat in it for Chelsea. Rooney's coming back to Everton when his contract runs out. So, you know, he's, it's where he belongs. So, <laughs> never mind this Chelsea. Never mind this Chelsea business. I'm sure he'd love to come back, wouldn't he? Because he gets such a warm welcome every time he comes back to you. Yeah, all will be forgiven. <laughs> well, well, this uh, deal has already allowed Chelsea to sign Mohamed um, Salah this afternoon from uh, FC Ball for 11 million pounds. And it would appear to me that Jose just doesn't fancy matter in his team. He doesn't fit his formation. And so he's going to use this cash. And by the way, 37, even if it's 37 million, that is a huge amount of money for one matter. Um, he's going to use that money to help bolster his team and get the sort of players that he really wants. Yeah, he, he knows he's got to to uh, buy a, probably another, another centre-half. Um, a left back, one or two midfielders. Obviously, you've got to. They're getting rid of the likes of Lampard and Terry in the near future, just because of their age, or or they'll eventually be phased out of the team for good. Uh, Ashley Cole as well. Um, and then they've got to stick to some deg- some semblance of this financial fair play rules. I'm sure they're they're not adhering to it perfectly, but you're right about matters fee. That 37 million is too much for him. Um, but they're preying on Manchester United's uh, weakness at the minute. So, well, well, let's, deal. well, let's ask the question then. How will he do at Manchester United? He's an attacking forward player. You've already got, if they're fit, um, Robin Van Persie, Wayne Rooney. You've also got Hernandez and Danny Welbeck there. Where do you play Juan Mata? I think he plays as in exactly the same position as he played for Chelsea. Um, I think when everybody's fit, Moyes will play uh, a four four at the back, two, two holding midfielders, three in the, the... like two wingers and a and an attacking midfielder and one at the front. And Rooney will be one of the two wider players with Van Persie as the, as the lead striker. 
No, I think Mata's got nothing to lose on this. He's not getting a game at Chelsea, so he's going to somewhere where he's seen as the missing link and, and, and the answer, so he's going to be guaranteed games. He's gone to a club equally as big, if not much larger than Chelsea and Manchester United. If it works out for him, then fine. If it doesn't work out for him, then people are going to say it's all part of the whole um, shambles that's going on currently there at United. And I don't think his stock would have fallen any lower. And I think he could head off to a, a, a club of equal size with them, his head held high. Yeah, I completely agree. At the end, whether it's this season or next season, I think he he's never going to not be in demand because he's a great player. And if it doesn't work out... It is just going to be because David Moyes doesn't know what he's doing, rather than yeah. it having any backlash on Matter himself. Yeah. Plus, it gets him into um, playing to um, regular football, so he's more likely to go to the World Cup as well. I think you're spot on there, Chris, and I can see my personal take on it. I think you're going to see a little bit of rotation between the three Batman and Robin, Van Persie and Rooney, and Matter. Because I think they're all going to want to to play. They're all not, well, coming back from injury, Robin Van Persie and, and Rooney, and Matter's going to be a little bit rusty. Um, I don't think they're going to want to burn themselves out this season because of the World Cup. And so I think they'll be accommodating to sort of, you know, worn up front with Matter behind, for example. Um, and I think it could work quite well. And I love Darson's comments today as well, saying that Chelsea, <laughs> Chelsea have played United twice, so it doesn't matter to them anyway. Yeah, what a ridiculous thing to say. I mean, he could have quite <laughs> easily bid for him himself. He's getting a bit paranoid in his old age, isn't he? <laughs> he is. Yeah, you can sort it? of just imagine him sitting there in a dark room, sort of rocking to himself, well, everyone's out to get yeah, him. He, he rocks back and forward on the Arsenal bench in that big boiler jacket, doesn't he? So you can definitely see him doing it at home as well. <laughs> okay, well, let's move on to um, some other football action that's been taking place this week. Uh, it's quite possibly my favourite cup after the Champions League and the FA Cup and the Europa League. Uh, that is the Capital One Cup. Uh, we had two semi finals. Uh, firstly, let's touch on uh, West Ham and Manchester City. Oh, so close, so close, but they just couldn't claw it back, West Ham, could they? Um, so it was uh, 3-0 on the night to Manchester City aggregate they lost 9-0 uh, what do we take from West Ham Man City West Ham were lucky to get nil <laughs> <laughs> I'd be furious if I was a West Ham fan the fact that even after getting absolutely tonked at City they still couldn't be bothered to put in a, a performance of any kind at home in front of their own fans I'd be absolutely fuming and charged and charged and £42 charged. Pounds a ticket yeah apparently. exactly I was shocked that there were more fans at the last time at Fratton Park in League 2 than there was to watch this game at Upton Park yeah I think that's quite sad really despite the fact I, it just yeah I think that's quite sad Reflects on the Capital One Cup a bit as well. Well, I'm trying. I'm trying to make a positive here for West Ham. Um, okay. At least it was only three 0 the loss this time. Um, but I, th- I think at the end of the day, it was just two unfairly matched teams against each other, wasn't it? And, and Man City have fairly and squarely got themselves into the final and 
almost certainly going to be the favourites for that one. Anybody else have any further comments on this match? No. No. In that case, then, shall we move on to the other Capital One Cup game? Uh, Manchester United 2, Sunderland 1, 3-3 on aggregate. Sunderland go through on penalties. Now, this was a result that incensed one Manchester United fan so much that it drove him to pick up the phone and vent his spleen. He wanted to speak to Sir Alex Ferguson, but instead, having dialed 999, he spoke to Greater Manchester Police. Let's have a listen to some of the fans' best bits. Could I speak to Sir Alex Ferguson, please? Uh, not by a please. 999 line, I'm afraid, no. Uh, Sir Alex, the, the result is all wrong. They had extra time, and, and it was a total, un- utter load of rubbish. So you're actually on the 999 police line. Is there any crime you need to report to the police this evening? Yeah, a crime, yeah. yeah I'll report a crime, yeah. And what crime is that? The crime is that Manchester United... Manchester United were absolutely knackered. Okay, so this was a shock result, guys. Uh, I think everybody would say uh, it's not going to be an all Manchester final. It's going to be Sunderland uh, in the Capital One Cup final with uh, Manchester City. Thoughts on this game? Well, Sunderland have got a chance. Haven't they beaten City like three or four of the last times they've met at home? And they've always done quite well at them at the Etihad as well. So Sunderland are. Total outsiders. There was that three-three, wasn't there? Where there were three-one ahead. Yeah, that's right. And and the way Sunderland played last night. I mean, okay, we're talking about a very poor United side. Um, but other than the ten-minute spell before half-time, and and some dangerous counter-attacking from time to time, I thought Sunderland were controlling that game, and you know, with were deserved winners over the two legs. So, okay, City are in top gear right now, but I don't think Sunderland will be as um, as in fear of, of City as you might imagine. Mark, you're a very brave man if you're going to put money on Sunderland, I think, for that that, that final. Well, well, I never said I was going to put money on them. I'm not that daft. But uh, I, I can't see... I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not envisaging it being a 4 or 5 nil thrashing um, that you would normally expect when two sides are so mismatched, you know, based on their Premier League form and position. Um, I think it'll be a good game. I can see Sunderland, you know, maybe even taking it to extra time. Who knows? And and Manchester City, lest we forget, cocked it up last time, didn't they? Against Wigan in the FA Cup. Yeah, I was just about to say that, but then I would think that would spur the monster to make sure that that didn't happen again. Like, they've already lost one piece of silverware to a club that they really should have beat. I don't think they would let themselves do it again. Well, he's made a big thing in the quadruple as well, hasn't he? Do you think that's possible? No, they're not going to win the Champions League. <laughs> the triple? The triple? Um, no, well, I don't know. I still got a stinky feeling Chelsea for the Champions, uh, for the Premier League. But I think he will take this seriously. The other thing as well, it'll be Pellegrini's first piece of silverware as well. Um, Jose's first ever piece of silverware for Chelsea was the um, League Cup as well, wasn't it? 
Bang right. And this is this is a question to everybody here. Do you rate Capital One Cup? Because I'll, I'll be I'll be honest with you. I'm a Leeds United fan. If I could win the Capital One Cup, I'd go for it 100%, and I'd be very proud of it. Um, what do you guys think about the Capital One Cup? Is it is it worth it? Is it important? Does it count as a proper trophy or not? I don't think we should have it. I think we should only have one cup competition. But having said that, I do find it quite exciting because you had Bradford last se- uh, season, didn't you? And you had um, Swansea, Chelsea, the ball boy. And we've had Sunderland knocking out um, Chelsea and United this season. I don't think we need it because our players already play enough. And I'd rather have no... Um, I'd rather have no League Cup than a winter break, but I do find it quite exciting. Well, Emma, you support Portsmouth as one of your teams. You're, you're quite um, um, keen on the FA Cup. You know, you've, you've, you've won that fairly recently. Um, mm-hmm. you, you'd be happy winning the Capital One Cup, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. I think anyone below the top six would be happy winning the Capital One Cup. Yeah. Well, if we're going below the top six, then Mark, <laughs> you're an Everton fan. No, I, I'd, I'd have the, I'd have it in the second. You know, we haven't won anything since 1995. We've never won the League Cup. We've only ever been to the final twice. Unfortunately for Everton, we we get past one or two rounds and then we cock it right up when we've got a right, you know, real good chance of getting to getting to the semis or the final. So. I would take the League Cup in a heartbeat. The competition, I think, the last two or three years, it's come alive again. You've seen some really good games, some upsets, you know, lots of goals. In fact, I think you're probably getting some more exciting games in the Capital One Cup than you're getting in the FA Cup at the minute. Is that not due to the look of the draw, though? Um, Well, I don't think it's that. I think what also is happening is you're getting the... um, there are no replays, I don't think, in the Capital Cups, Capital One Cup. Mm-hmm. So teams are going all out to just win on the night, going hell for leather. Maybe that's certainly on the in in the minds of the big teams because they're thinking, well, it's not our priority. We don't care. Let's just go out and have have fun and attack, attack, attack. And and that's what's producing. It wasn't Chelsea, Man United, five four or five three or something last season, and we've seen Arsenal and Reading. Last season was like 7-4 or something crazy like that. And we had, you know, you've seen City bang six in here, there and everywhere. So you've seen a lot of good games. But I think that's maybe because the, the, some of the big teams aren't taking it seriously. But as an Everton fan, and we are in the top six, I'll take any trophy that's going. Yeah, and just furthermore on that, um, I know, you know, Bradford City fans and their exploits in the Capital One Cup they are running at something like they're they're burning something like one two million pounds a year in cash. Um, that saved them. That saved Bradford City. Yeah. And it's put them on an even keel now. Um, they've recently sold Naki Wells for one point three million, and they're slowly getting themselves back. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's a yeah really worthwhile cup to go for. Okay, well, let's move on to another hot topic that's been happening this week. Um, it's always interesting when it involves Stan Collymore, uh, for one reason or another. Um, he's been uh, getting a little bit hot under the collar uh, with Twitter. He was all over the media 
uh, earlier this week. He closed his account. His account is now open. Um, he's been subject to a, a number of all sorts of nasty attacks. It'd be remiss of us not to to mention what's been happening here. What are the team's thoughts on Stan Collymore and Twittergate? I think he's got. Um, I think he's absolutely right in what he's doing. I think. I don't think he invites it in in, in any way. People people often accuse him of inviting it. I mean, pe- people choose to send those tweets to him, and he's quite right to highlight them, and he's quite right to report them to the police. I think well, there's a lot to be said of Twitter's inactivity in suspending these accounts um but i think he's right to do that having said that i've stopped following him because i just can't take the number of retweets on my twitter timeline they're just too many oh, oh have you have you stopped chris have you i yeah i think yeah. i did yeah if not yeah. I will. because um I, i'd love to but um i can't because stan collymore blocked me okay um now this l- l- let me say right from the off this is for no nastiness um no real nastiness, anyway. Um, this was purely because I had a go at... Um, I said something along the lines of how crap Cole Collymore was. And uh, I got blocked. Um, and then Twitter unblocked everybody. And then Stan Collymore blocked me again. So uh, I can't see Stan Collymore's tweets. Um, so <laughs> I'll leave it to you guys to, uh, to debate Stan Collymore and, and what's been happening on Twitter. I don't follow him because I don't just I just don't particularly like him anyway. Um, and it's I mean obviously no one deserves to get racism uh, racist abuse. No one deserves to get death threats. And but you, I I don't want to say you should expect them if you're putting yourself in the public eye. But everyone knows you do get some complete morons in the world and I think if you are putting opinions out there that you know are gonna are gonna you know create create not create I know what you're saying if if you're gonna be outspoken yourself then you then people will say it back to you won't you yeah and I feel like obviously no one likes Create, you know, having a death threat but realistically as if, as long as he's looking after himself he's not putting his address out there or he's not you know putting pictures of his cars with number plates online unless he is I, I, I completely understand why he's reporting to police but I think he's sort of he's taking it so far and he's asking for so much sympathy and I think it was the front page of the sun today Arika Johnson came out and you know, said what a hypocrite sort of thing, and and I don't agree with that. If if anyone's getting this abuse, it's, it's fair enough to report it. But I don't. I think he is trying to turn it round on himself, and you know how sorry everyone should feel for him. When I think the real issue is that Twitter is not not in any way quick enough to pick this up and block the accounts and help police with investigations and things. And I think that is the real issue here, not yeah. not him. But I think he has. I think he's, you know, enjoyed putting himself in the in the spotlight. And I think if he was seriously worried for his safety, he would not have reactivated his Twitter account. He would have left it gone. Yeah, I think the bigger issue, like you say, is, is Twitter don't seem to be very serious when it comes to tackling this. It's not just this. We saw it with um, 
uh, with a campaign to get um, Florence Nightingale, I think it was, wasn't it, on the on the ten pound note, and the abuse women got there that were trying to sort of highlight the campaign. It's um, it's a very slow vehicle when it comes to banning certain people. Yeah, I mean, I, I've you know, there's um, I think it's still available. A great podcast on. Talk sport. They have a show called My Sporting Life, and they um, they talk to to various individuals in in sport. And uh, they did one on Stan Collymore. It's about an hour long, and he does come across as a genuine bloke, a genuine guy. However, he has his demons, and he's still fighting them day by day. Um, and I think that's just the nature of Stan Collymore. Now, I don't think he should. No one should get the abuse that he's had. Um, so I think it's a, a really sticky situation, but I don't know. Um, to be honest, I think this just provides even more publicity for Twitter. Um, Twitter's all about how many people it can get on. It's on the stock exchange now. Um, I genuinely, my personal opinion is Twitter will go one of two ways. You'll have a free Twitter like we have today with all the idiots on it. And we all know, you know, we're football fans. We support, we, you know, we follow people. And then you think, unfollow, unfollow. There's idiots everywhere. And they'll go to a paid version as well. Okay. And if you imagine that every account, you know, where you have to verify your date and age because you're going to have to enter credit card details, um, you're going to have two Twitter streams. And if Twitter charges um, everybody a dollar a year for having an account, they're going to make many, many, many hundreds of millions of pounds. You know what I mean? Um, and their stock value is going to rise. And, and I can see this possibly happening as a result of um, these sort of ongoing um, Twitter debates. But that's just, just my opinion. Mm. Do you get the thing is with Twitter is, is like you said, as much as it, it, it's a wonderful place to meet people and to um, read other people's opinions. You get some such morons, such idiots on there. And and you do, I mean, everyone gets abuse. It doesn't matter if you're a celebrity or not. You know, I think at some point, if you've got an opinion and you put it out there, someone will find you and someone will abuse you. And I think, but I wouldn't want to get rid of that. I think that's part of it. And it's... in. I think Twitter needs to find a way to police it more, um, and maybe the pay, maybe paying for it would work. But then, when does it, you know, if it's a dollar, what's going to stop Twitter thinking, well, why not make it five dollars or go up and up and up? It's a good point. Um, again, I think it's another topic that we could have a a whole podcast devoted to. Um, <laughs> But let's move on. Um, on Man of the Post Extra, you guys are involved in a competition where you make predictions on Premier League matches. Um, I know that you've done very, very well, actually, from listening to the first podcast, all of you. Um, I think Chris and Mark, you, you got six correct, and, and Emma, you got four. Um, let's move on to the midweek uh, Premier League games and uh, get your predictions for those. All right. Well, first of all, we've got Manchester United versus Cardiff. 
Does anyone want to take a punt on this one? Uh, I'm going to go for a shock Manchester United home win. <laughs> but a close one. But a close one. Close I don't one. think they'll romp it yet. What do you think, Emma? Holly Solskjaer returns home. <laughs> I'm going to go for a Man United win as well. There's no penalty, so they might hit the net. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not part of this competition, but I've gone for a Manchester United win as well. <laughs> Have you? I don't know whether to play this tactically or whether to play this or what I think will happen now if you both gone for United. Um, I'm going to go for United as well. Okay, so next one we've got Norwich versus Newcastle. Newcastle. Uh, Newcastle. Newcastle for me. I'm going to go Norwich. <laughs> I've gone. I've gone for the boring of boringest all nil-nil draws. See, I would have picked Newcastle to win by the odd goal in five. <laughs> well, I went for Norwich last week. I was the only one that went for Norwich, and they won. So next one is Southampton Arsenal. This could be quite a toughy one, couldn't it? Southampton at home. Um. From what I've seen of Southampton, what I've seen of Southampton lately, they're a, they're a team, they were brilliant at the start of the season, but they're nowhere near that level now. Obviously, they've had this boardroom upheaval, and there was a big kickoff today when Osvaldo and uh, Jose Font had some training ground bust up. So, all is not well at Southampton. So, I can see Arsenal winning this quite easily. Osvaldo suspended for two weeks, isn't he? Exactly, yeah. That's not going to be doing too much for morale in the camp. So I can't see anything other than Arsenal taking the three points. What do you think, Emma? Yeah, I'll go for Arsenal as well. I'm going to go for Arsenal as well then. Uh, Swansea Fulham. Don't get too excited, guys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> This, this is like the Crystal Palace Stoke moment from last week, isn't it? 1-1. Um, I can see a draw. Draw. Come on, Emma. Um, I definitely can't see Fulham winning it. Which... I'll go for Swansea. I'm going to go Swansea as well. Uh, Crystal Palace... Oh, now, last time these two played in the Premier League, it was... Um, a couple of months ago, Palace won, didn't they? Does anyone fancy Palace this time? No. No. At home? Well, they did Stoke okay. last week, didn't they? They did. Yeah. But uh, I, I went for Hull last week away to Norwich, and I think I'll I'll stick with them. I think they might do it. I can't, I'm not not convinced Crystal Palace can win two games in a row. So you're going for Hull, are you? I am, yeah, Hull. Oh, on. Emma, what do you think? I could see that one being a draw. A draw. I'm going to go for Palace, I think. All right, Liverpool versus Liverpool reserves. What do you all think on this one? 10-8. <laughs> it's a Merseyside derby. Anything can happen. It'll be 1-1 if it's a Merseyside derby. Are you two still going to be talking to each other next week? <laughs> I had to speak to Adam after the last Merseyside derby, so I barely spoke to him then. <laughs> what do you think, Mark? Um, 
Well, as we've already talked about, Everton aren't coming into this in the best of form. Um, Liverpool are a little bit unpredictable, aren't they, the last few weeks? Mm. So, our, our record at Anfield is shocking, but that was mostly down to David Moyes. So, I think if Martinez goes for it, I still think we'll come out with a draw. Go on, Emma. What do you think? The voice of reason. I am going to sit firmly on the fence and go for a draw. I'm going to go for an Everton win. Woohoo! <laughs> yes. I'm going to go it's, for an Everton win on the hope that it, it, it sort of, you know, the well, football listen, it's, listen. It's a must-win game for us, not just for the bragging rights, but um, if we've got any sort of chance of getting fourth place, we have to beat Liverpool. And if Liverpool, yeah. if, if Liverpool are going to keep themselves, although I don't think they're still in it, but in the title race, they have to win. So I think it's going to be exactly like the first game this season, where it's, they're going to just be hammer and tongs. I can see it being like 2-2 or 3-3 again. How many red cards? Um, as long as Gerard gets one, because he's deserved one nearly every single time we've played against you, then I'll be happy. I've got Liverpool TV on at the moment. They've been showing the best of Liverpool versus Everton and they just showed a David Unsworth penalty and he absolutely really broke the back of the net and I'm just trying to imagine him doing a Penenka. Uns- Unsworth didn't have the subtlety to do a Penenka. <laughs> it would have been a brilliant thing to watch though. <laughs> um, Aston Villa-West Brom. There's another derby, isn't it? Aston Villa-West Brom. What do you think, Emma? I think... West Brom because from what I saw Monday they'll go into it with a game plan and what I saw of Villa last Monday if you go into a game with Villa with a good game plan you've watched them play you'll be able to break them down really easily Okay um, I'm going to go Villa uh, I think the the game at Liverpool would have done their confidence the world of good the last 15 minutes they played last week against Arsenal did them good for the Liverpool game and although West Brom played or well they got a good result against Everton I still think Villa might just be starting to come into a bit of form like they did this roughly this time this year uh, last year so I'll go Villa I'm going to go West Brom I think because Villa at home I think they're struggling in front of their own fans so I'm going to go West Brom Chelsea West Ham can anybody see West Ham getting anything from this whatsoever I can see them getting a Tonkin. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Chelsea. has to be Chelsea. I think so as well. Emma, are you going to fly the flag for West Ham? No, Chelsea. Okay. Sunderland versus Stoke. Sunderland. Emma? Yeah, Sunderland. Sunderland, Sunderland. I might go with a draw on this one, I think. No, Stoke away, isn't it? Stoke are away. I've got to go Sunderland as well. It last be, one. It won't be pretty. It w- no, God, no. Imagine if it rains and everything, you've got to go. You've got a season it, ticket and you have to honour it. Have you ever been to Sunderland? It only ever rains. <laughs> oh, does, I then yeah. went to university in Sunderland where I ended up going to Liverpool instead. Ooh, caught between the devil and the deep blue sea. <laughs> did I have a lucky escape, did I? <laughs> um, last one is Tottenham Man City. This, this could be quite uh, not as clear-cut as you might have thought for, um, for Man City. 
Yeah, I, I think City will win, but I think it'll be something like 3-2. I think Tottenham will give them a real good game. Yeah. Yeah. So Ralph Sherwood, do you think he's he's not got the um, the stuff to get through this one? Well, I don't think it's Sherwood. I think he's he's doing a good job and he's, you know, he's got Adebayor playing, which, you know, you've got to give anybody credit for that. But just City are just too strong for pretty much everybody. So I don't think it's, I don't think it's to Tottenham's, um, you know, any negative against Tottenham or Sherwood. I think it's just Man City are playing so well at the minute. Yeah. Emma? Yeah, I completely agree. City for me. Right, well, I'm going to go Spurs then. I don't know. I've got a feeling at Spurs at home. City haven't lost away for a little bit, I don't think. Maybe I'm wrong, but they're home. I'm just never quite convinced about City away. So I'm going to go with Spurs. And uh, that's the 10. So that brings Man on the Post Extra to a close for this week. Uh, We hope you all enjoy it. Um, I'd just uh, like to make a quick plug to invite you to visit our website, manonthepost.com. There's some new articles up there. Uh, There's one by me um, on Leeds United's uh, recent 6-0 demolition at Hillsborough, uh, if you really want to to read some very negative stuff. Um, I'd also like to give a shout-out to Will, who has written a a really interesting article looking into the upcoming meeting of Barcelona and Manchester City uh, in the Champions League. And we also have a great article from uh, David Goldsbury, who uh, discusses the qualities of uh, Blackburn Rovers' young midfield duo of uh, Tom Kearney and Jason Lowe. So feel free to uh, give those a read, and uh, comments are always welcome at manonthepost.com. And... uh, also, if uh, anyone listening ever fancies writing an article for the website uh, and uh, to allow you to get your name in lights, then uh, feel free to drop us a tweet to at man on the post. So, um, we'll say our goodbyes, guys. Um, Chris, do you want to uh, share with us your Twitter username if anybody wants to uh, get in contact with you? Yeah, I'm at C Armband. Okay, thanks, Chris. And Emma? Uh, I'm at MWebs. And Mark? Mine is at the Football Pink. And you have uh, a website as well, don't you? Yeah, that's uh, footballpink.net. Okay, that's great. So, uh, it's a bye from me. Um, it's uh, a goodbye from Chris. Cheerio. Goodbye from Emma. Bye. Goodbye from Mark. See ya. And always remember to keep an extra man on the post. We were very serious this week, wasn't it? Was, wasn't it? <laughs> but you said the word you said the word arse at least twice, so you know you've got you've got to be committed for that. No, the tone. Hold <laughs> oh, hey, there's a lot worse than that on the the other man on the post to tell you. So uh, it's always explicit on that one. Um, <laughs> we'll have to lighten it next week. We'll have to do clowns outfits or something next week. <laughs>
and on that mark as well, I can see your picture here on Skype, and you're wearing a very fancy pair, a pair of sunglasses. Are, are mm. you flying business class, or are you flying cheap class? I think um, you're a business class man. In the olden days, yes, I could get away with business class. These days, everything's economy. And those sunglasses cost me a tenner. Oh, damn that recession. Yeah, well, Ten pound just... glasses and a shitty cheap flight. I know. And I work in, and I work in eye surgery, so I've got no excuse not, <laughs> not to have decent sunnies. All right. This is a, you're a glamorous man, you are, aren't you? Uh, man of mystery, me. <laughs> Beats my job. I sit in an office in Cornwall all day long. I see. I get to cut eyes open and stuff like that. Pig's eyes, play with lasers, all sorts of stuff. I'd rather not. (laughs) (laughs) Stick things in eyeballs. Brilliant. Yeah. (laughs) You put me off now. Actually, there's. You probably find that if you look through my uh, Twitter picture, you know, like the pictures and that, that you can see that that you've previously posted in a tweet. If you go back far enough on my um, uh, set of pictures, you'll find a, a tweeted a picture of a box full of pig's eyes. Oh. Nice. <laughs> you grill them or what? Uh, no, they're nice, fresh, nice and raw. <laughs> right. On that note, I'm <laughs> <on>. <laughs> All right. Cheers, guys. Okay, cheers, guys. <laughs> See you later. Bye-bye.